following is a presentation of the Retro Network. Do you remember when home video was in its infancy? The perfect video store is popping up all over the country. Do you remember the experience of renting VHS tapes at a store? Right now, rent Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom and Cobra for just a dollar a day each. Do you remember when you kept a video store membership card in your wallet? Welcome to Blockbuster Video. Hollywood Video. We get what you want. The warehouse is entertainment. Relive the days when dead media was alive and kicking. This is Rental Return. Tales from the Video Store. My name is Amanda Stefaniak, and I worked at Osizana Sunshine in Bossier, Manitoba, Canada, which was owned by my parents, Mel and Susan Stefaniak, from 1982 to 2004. Hi, I'm Christian McGalliard, and I worked at Coco Video in China Grove, North Carolina, from March of 1997 to January of 1998. And then later, I worked at Four Star Video in Granite Quarry, North Carolina, from February 2001 to December 2001. My name is Chris Tansky. I worked in the video department of a media play from 1995 to probably 2002, 2003. My name is Gary Keffer. I worked at the Blockbuster Video in Chesapeake, Virginia in the early 90s. I worked there uh, after graduating from high school in 93 and worked there for about uh, two and a half, almost three years. My name is John Paul Cupertino and I used to work for a place in Milwaukee called Bucky's Super Video around 1998. And shortly after that, I worked for a very brief stint at a Blockbuster in Milwaukee. Hey, my name is Preston Burt, and in 2000 through 2002, I worked at Blockbuster Video in Oxford, Mississippi. Hi, my name is Zach Shipley. I worked at uh, Blockbuster Franchise 290237 in Rehoboth Beach, Delaware in, gosh, like 1998 to 2000, somewhere around there. Episode 3, Rewind the Grind. In your day-to-day activities in the job, what kept you motivated or excited or what was part of the monotony? You know, what what was your day-to-day grind like? So the day-to-day grind, it wasn't too bad. And that was one of the reasons I liked working there. As I mentioned previously, like the stress of having to be a full-time student. And even my last year there, I was doing my student teaching internship at the same time. So being able to kind of do a job on cruise control was really really nice i mean it was very low-key it was not stressful at all even even with being an assistant manager the routine kind of shifted around the week so you would get on sunday night you would get your pull sheets and you would start making uh new slip sleeve inserts for the videos that would show up on monday Monday morning, you would open the store, there would be a box uh, from FedEx that would get delivered and you'd process those by scanning those into the computer. And then people would work in the back room to open those up, um, put the printed blockbuster movie title into the slip sleeve hard case, and then put the videos and then you have to shrink wrap, uh, put in some styrofoam and shrink wrap the, the boxes and put them out on the shelves. You'd have to pull all of the old titles that were rotating off of the shelves to make room for new ones. So you had to look at like a, they actually had a printed visual, how you should 
arrange them and so forth. Um, and then it was just the day in, day out, you know, you're every night you have the responsibility of having to vacuum the store and making sure everything is face out and there aren't any things crazy on the shelves and the candy is restocked and and then you're just thinking about the schedule of how a week flows for rentals and so Fridays and Saturdays would be super duper busy. Sundays would be not quite as bad and then Mondays is kind of the busy like grunt work day of the store. I mean obviously we had to build up displays when new stuff came out but then they really liked us to pre-order tapes when they were priced to buy so when someone would come to you because y'all everybody had a kiosk in each department and you had to wear this uh, different colored apron and you had to walk around and you would wear buttons and would you like to pre-order you know uh inspector gadgets or you know whatever <laughs> whatever was coming out at the time so that's what they would uh uh, like us to do and then they would also like us to run registers if I got busy but fun fact I never got trained on registers I always just hid back in our uh, video department remember there, there were certain things that people didn't like to do one of the and it's again because location it's so hot there in the summertime um, you had to go out and pick the movies up out of the box in the morning right and if it was busy especially on the weekends and you had a hot release out that box should fill up pretty quick on on Sunday and Monday so going out and picking out, you know, having to carry the basically a laundry basket and open that box that just sitting there soaking up the heat all day, hoping it hadn't melted the tapes, you know, and plus just the smell, the off gassing of all those, all those plastic VHS tapes sitting inside a box in the sun for three or four hours. You know, you're just pouring sweat, walking out to the corner and back, bringing this stuff in and, and lugging, you know, 30 or 40 pounds of videotapes that you then got to sit down and rewind because uh, even though it was the kind thing to do, rewinding was part of the job. And we had these machines lined up that did it for us. So yeah, it was all part of the process. I mean, it was just, gosh, you know, who doesn't wish they could make money working at Blockbuster today? One of the cool things about my coworkers is they were fine to let me do like the extracurricular stuff, like changing out posters. I loved um, when new movies and new posters come in to go through and see what posters had been up long enough to come down and to, it wasn't like some kind of math strategic how I moved posters around or anything as much as that I enjoyed doing it and I enjoyed putting up the new posters. Because I had worked a retail job beforehand, uh, I was at, worked at a shoe store, I kind of had a, an idea of like just what retail was in general. It's mostly just, you know, saying hello to people. If they ask you a question, you, you try to answer it as, as, as best as you can. So most people, I, I guess one thing I thought would be more prevalent as people asking me opinions about movies, asking me opinions like, oh, what's good? Like, what have you heard about this or whatever? And even though, because we watch movies all the time and we're able to, to rent them for free, and that was, that still was an important part of the job. You still want to be knowledgeable. So if someone did ask you, most people didn't, most people didn't like even having like an opinion presented to them, you know, whether I say something's good or bad, and especially like, Again, we were never instructed to like to not say like that a movie was bad or anything like that. It's not it's not like the it's not like the boss like had like a whole bunch of rules about how we talked about movies. But in general, like if I said something wasn't good, people didn't appreciate that because they'd <laughs> they'd already like made up their mind about what they're renting. You know, during the mornings, it was going to be this slow period, right? And so there's always again going out to get the tapes and then bring stuff in and then stickering the new releases and and putting up you know changing out posters and things like that. Um, I think one of the other things that, uh, that kept us busy was, again, calling. Uh, you were always vacuuming, wiping the windows. Uh, some of the 
older ones had brass rails that you would have to, you know, uh, use the brasso cleaner on to keep everything shiny. So there was always something to do. There wasn't a lot of downtime or idle time. Not uh, with Darlene around. <laughs> no, no. But again, she ran a tight ship. Uh, what you really wanted to do, you really didn't want to be working there when it rained. Because when it rained, like everything got soaked and, you know, the, the, you know, you had to mop the floor and it was, it was just a mess. During the holidays, it was amazing just because I take pride in my movie knowledge. So when people would come to me with questions, I could easily direct them to what section something would be in, if it's in stock and so forth. But when you got past the holidays, it was kind of slow and boring. But then I would just have to, if I wasn't given a task for the day, I would just go around and look at movies and and straighten up. And uh, sometimes we were allowed to put stuff uh, in the VHS player or the DVD player, whichever was around at the time. Uh, we would, um, you'd almost have to make your own <laughs> work and fun uh, during the off uh, holiday times. It was interesting because there's, you know, you had like supervisors and stuff and they're different levels, but everybody dealt with the same stuff. It didn't matter if you were a new guy walking in for your first week or if you were the lady who'd been there for five or six years. Uh, dealing with the public is, is always going to present variables. And at Blockbuster, calling on the late fees was always just a dreaded job because you had to call and remind people that they dropped the movie off late and of course there was well i thought i dropped it off or you know arguments back and forth and then again you know four dollars and 22 cent with tax uh, <laughs> number right um for a late fee it, it would add up on people and so you would have people who would run up significant debt because they didn't bring movies back and was there a policy for canceling a subscription or you know a membership that you recall? Did that ever happen? Uh, typically, about a year is is what. And I don't know if it was a corporate policy or store policy, but if, if you'd been out a year, um, you were cut off. But until then, they would absolutely give you the chance to redeem yourself, pay your late fee, and, and restore your membership privileges. Uh, but there was it was on the card. If, if you came in and it's it's scanned, it popped right up on the screen. If you owed money. And if your account was locked, that meant that you owed more than 12 or, you know, 12 or $16. What were some of the perks of being an employee? What was the, the joy, aside from being around movies, like of, of going into work every day? Really, it was getting first dibs on all the posters, uh, standees, things like that. I had a Spy Hard standee that I loved. It was nice that I could get free rentals anytime, basically. I'd always loved, I think we'd take like five movies home at a time every night. Uh, other than that, that was really the biggest thing. And all the popcorn you could ever want too. Back then, I mean, I, I liked. I was always, even as a kid, I liked Nicolas Cage. One of the first movies I watched, where I realized movies didn't have to follow a certain formula, was Raising Arizona. And I remember as a kid being fascinated at how long that movie took for the opening credits to start. Because I, I think by the time I saw that, I had not seen a movie go that long before the opening credits started. So I didn't have like Valley Girl and. Um, uh, Wild at Heart, the David Lynch movie. So one of the perks for me was being able to look through the movie catalog and order movies that weren't available that were, you know, like 30, 40 bucks. Like I'd take it out of my paycheck and buy it. Like it was, it was on the up and up, but it was an opportunity to buy movies that you couldn't just go buy. And, and if they weren't coming on cable and you weren't recording them. And since I like Nicolas Cage, I'm looking through his filmography at the time and I'm like, oh, I don't have this one or I haven't seen that one. That was really cool, and being able to take home posters, like it, like when, like I think Mars Attacks came out, and we got like two or three Mars Attacks posters in one shipment, and they did not care if people took posters. Like I mean, you had to put up some new ones, but if there was extras or posters came down, like whoever wanted them could have them. 
periodically customers would ask could they have a poster and if nobody else who worked there wanted it we would put their name on it but uh yeah perks wise though definitely being able to order movies that i couldn't find anywhere else that was that was something that was just because this was kind of prior to everything being available even when dvd come along later and things are affordable you didn't find stuff like wild at heart or valley girl back then like at walmart so uh that was definitely for me getting to just add to my library of movies by by being able to order stuff i wouldn't have had access to otherwise as a small business were you able to get like promotional items in the stores did you have a lot of standees or posters or anything fun like that that would come in or just yeah yeah and that was the kind of thing too it was like way in the eight like the early 80s and like that like they were giving that stuff away like you uh and there was no limit you could you wanted um like Freddy Krueger, Sandy, here's eight of them um, wow. at one point. But those things cost money, and the as time, like the video business, kind of got a little bit like less uh, popular. The studios started becoming more strict and didn't give stuff out anymore. So there really was a heyday to that kind of stuff. Like we still have some of those standees, um, but unfortunately we stored them in a shed that wasn't probably the best condition, so not all of them survived. Uh-oh. Yeah, but it's just like, oh no! But at least we still have some of them. What is there yeah. any particular you remember that stood out to you? Oh well, I so first of all, we didn't usually put them up because we actually didn't have very much room because we had so many movies. And if we did put them up, it would be my job to put them together, and I hated putting them together, so we hardly put them up. But there was one year we were in our. Um, our local town's parade and we were like so basically it's a small town but you would throw candy to the people on the side so my dad got I borrowed a truck from one of his friends and we took we actually put standees I think it was probably it must have been about 89 or 90 because I remember uh, Little Mermaid was one of the standees so we just like put up a bunch of standees and made our own little float like video float that's Um, awesome (laughs) yeah and and I do like that I wish we did more I think we only did that one year but that was I thought the best that was basically the only time I really remember using standees is that we put a bunch of them together to make this makeshift float. Yeah, we would get posters, just like at the movie theater, we would get the posters and standees. And back then, I had way too many posters and standees that I brought home uh, and tried to display, which has, has dwindled down over the years to just select things. But uh, yeah, that, that was definitely one of the perks. For my blockbuster, and um, it may not be for all blockbusters, because my blockbuster was actually a franchise blockbuster, which I didn't realize that you could do as a thing, but it was a franchise blockbuster group. And so our arrangement was we got seven free rentals a week and um, 10%, I think on new items. So like if there was a new DVD or new, uh, you know, merchandise uh, to, to sell, you could get just a very small discount on that. And then on previously viewed tapes or PVTs, as we call them in, in the industry, uh, you got half off on that. So one of my favorite parts of the job, well, not parts of the job, but one of my favorite perks of working as an employee of Blockbuster was that I could choose which movies would get removed from the shelves after a certain time period of non-rental. So movies had to have zero rentals for the period of a year in our back catalog before you could take them off the shelf and sell them. Now you're constantly turning through the new movies. You know, you get, you know, 20 copies of Sixth Sense, but after a year, you only need one or two. 
And so corporate or the district manager, they would tell you, you know, you need to pull like 15 of these off and sell them in the previously viewed tape section. But for the back catalog stuff, I could look and personally curate my own collection and um, force it to be on sale. And then, oh, wow, well, you know, I happen to be there and I can get first dibs on all that stuff. <laughs> and this came especially into play when my friend um, Patrick, who I uh, just mentioned, we were still close friends. He and I got into the eBay reselling of out of print VHS tapes. Wow. And so we were able to look on eBay as to what were the highest selling VHS tapes at that time and then see if the Blockbuster had it. And then we would purposefully pull it from rental and then purchase it at half price for a dollar. And then wow. sell it on eBay, 50, $100 sometimes. Now, can you remember some of those titles? Can you remember some of the rare tapes that you had access to to throw off on eBay? So at that time, what was hot, so this is this is a pivotal time in the rental world because we're talking, VHS was still very much the predominant media and uh, DVD was just coming into the forefront. So when I first started working there, we were 90% VHS. And what that means is that as Disney started putting things out on DVD, a lot of their back catalog hadn't seen the light of day in years. So Disney out of print stuff was really, really hot at the time. And specifically, the most desirable clamshell was no mobile. <laughs> is this the I, classic white tape with the yeah the classic white box okay. no mobile it was hot like fire and we sold that joker for a hundred and fifty dollars <laughs> and so to broke college students that was game changer man that was great i, I thought you were gonna say you were the people who uh, started the whole black diamond beauty of the beast clamshell <laughs> tape for fifteen thousand dollars on ebay that was you guys. no no but i will say i I do think that all of that did start because of the demand of the Disney clamshells. The original white ones that were out of print, you know, those were originally printed back when VHS was brand new, like 1980, 81. And then they were never heard of again for 20, 30 years. And, and I think the, the perceived value of those is what initially started the, the rumors of, uh, you know, all Disney being valuable and then the people in the vhs community taking that and turning it in on its head as a joke and saying i got these black diamonds i'm a millionaire <laughs> well it never occurred to me to like not work somewhere that i would want to like be all the time so it's uh like my i did this eventually like i, I obviously worked at a, at, a, at a video store i eventually like years later worked in a record store i always wanted to be like around like the things i like so I like movies and video games a lot. So obviously I'm going to be in a store where my expertise in those uh, in those realms was going to be was going to be rewarded. The major perk, obviously, was having unlimited access to all the uh, you know unlimited, so to speak, access to all the videos that were there. So I could take the home rentals for free almost any night. The only time they ever put any kind of limit on it was when it was like a was like a new release or something. So, like, you know, first week it's it's out, they didn't want the employees, like, taking up, you know, a copy when it could be rented out by, by someone and, like, obviously, you know, making money. 
but pretty was much there a specific on the area you focused on was there a specific section that was your section uh i get pegged with the like n64 area and like family videos a lot uh, so like that was my um, not not that I was like an expert, but it's just like when we went to clean up, that was like I did that that side of the store. So the N64, PlayStation uh, uh, stuff, those are the two like big video game systems that were out at the time. I was the only employee with an N64, so I had free reign <laughs> over renting uh, renting those games. And even the only N64 game I remember even buying like during that time was like Legend of Zelda: Ocarina of Time. Obviously, like that's like a, a pretty well-known game and a, and a big deal. And me and like the other uh, other people who, who worked there, I think there was like one other guy who had an N64. Like we were all about it, so we, we just bought our copies uh, through there. I, I remember buying Super Smash Brothers through the uh, through the distributor at the Blockbuster. Oh, that's um, a pretty good deal. Yeah. Yes. So I, I got like I got some like good cost. I think I paid like forty dollars for it when it was again like N64 carts were. Like, you know, 60, 70, 80 dollars. They were all really expensive. At Blockbuster, when, when the screeners would come in, you know, they'd come in a box from Ingersoll, and the, the distribution company, and you open it up, and it was like, hey, let's see what's there. And of course, at the time, there were industry trade publications that gave you the schedule and what was running. And you had the, the blackout dates or the lockout from when you could run a movie for like, you know, 30, 60, 90 days before it would show up on, on pay per view or cable TV or something. Uh, but in that lead time, uh, it was up to the store manager to go through and keep a, a list of who was watching the movie. And so you had to sign it out like a library book. So it was like a you know blockbuster secret menu in the back of, of movies every week of, of what you could rent you know for free to take home for, for product education and familiarity. And so that was another great perk was being able to see movies before they released to the public so that you didn't have to have your friends come in and stand in line for you. You could have already seen the movie or... If you work there, maybe that was the perk, is getting a screener and watching it with your friends before it came out. Being able to get stuff uh, right away. <laughs> I know this is probably not what people want to hear, especially these day and days, but if, if something came in on the truck, uh, you would put it aside for yourself <laughs> because there was very good discounts working at Media Play, especially with collectibles. Like uh, when the Playmates Simpsons figures came out, I, I took them for myself and they were like 40% off <laughs> with my discount. <laughs> but uh, yeah, we would, uh, some of us, we would find various areas within the kiosk that we would hide our stash. Not to take, we would obviously pay for it, but we would hide it to purchase later if we didn't have the money on us at that point. <laughs> we did have uh, employee picks and uh, it just got to the point where we just started picking weird stuff like Lyle Elzado and the exterminator and we would just <laughs> we would make up reviews of it or or like like we sold popcorn at one point we got like one of those uh, chintzy popcorn machines so one of my staff picks was uh popcorn and I would just I wrote a detailed uh, description of how much I love popcorn and then we would just try and one up each other to the point where I said uh air so I just had a blank space <laughs> just said air was my pick and if you love air so much you should probably like leave the store and breathe it in and they didn't like that so <laughs> it got taken down we could always watch movies when it was slower we actually had movies playing all the time and the only restrictions were on the weekends we had to put family friendly movies on anything else was just fair game as long as it's not anything from the adult section or anything too gory or radar the store was our library and the only thing that we couldn't, like, we couldn't take new releases home. 
because mm-hmm. they have, you know, that's our money maker. Yeah. But the other thing actually is funny is because I have uh, two brothers and we had we rented Nintendo games and that was what they my dad had more trouble with that because like you know a nintendo game it takes a long time to finish you can bring that home and then like my dad's like somebody keeps on asking for like uh bubble bobble like where is it and we're like oh it's at home bring it back someone wants it so like really <laughs> we we would somebody would have to take the movie or the game that somebody wanted to rent we would take it back to the store so they can rent it but we live close by so it wasn't a big deal but i think that did actually happen a few times but basically yeah like as long as it was like if nobody wanted it we could take it home with us was there anything that you didn't anticipate about the job the hardest part was and i'll even ask you this all right let's say you're working in a video store like where would you put predator like what genre because if your options are action, horror, and sci-fi, and they're all separate genres in the video store, that would be my problem. Like, I'm the, the crazy guy that's like, oh, my God, like, how much of this movie is this percent that I would put Predator in sci-fi? Because, you know, it it seemed to get put somewhere different reg- regarding whoever was working. You would find Predator, like, in a different section. And I always thought oh, that okay, was so like a, a customer would be asking for it. You're like, it's over in sci-fi. They're like, no, it's not. Yeah. All right, check action. Okay. That's exactly <laughs> it, actually. Yeah, there would periodically be movies that it's like you get in an argument over where to put Predator because technically it fits all three. I did not anticipate having to organize the shelves the way I did. I didn't realize it would be that intense. Every single video had to be touched every single night. So in other words, you had to walk through the aisles and make sure each one is one-eighth of an inch off to the left so they could see if there's a film behind it. It's terrible to say, but some of the customer service aspects of it, just because people didn't understand certain, like the whole you know price-to-buy thing, but then you would get those interesting uh, customers that, I guess, just didn't understand it. Like this one guy, he would come in with a list of movies that he was looking for to buy and they were either a still in theaters or b not even out yet <laughs> so be like you know you'd have to be patient be like no that's not out yet uh but then you'd have people that would come in and just kind of pick fights in some weird way like i don't know it was it was definitely an interesting aspect uh anime was in its kind of infancy in the vhs department so you had this one guy that would come in and just if you didn't have a certain anime tape, he would just lose his cool and just be very rude. There wasn't necessarily anything I didn't anticipate with that job. Um, it was very straightforward. Dealing with some of the employee issues was interesting um, that I hadn't had to deal with, even in a managerial position. For instance, I remember, fortunately, I did not actually instigate this, but I remember noticing some odd rental habits and some tapes that says the system said we should have been there, uh, that should have been there, but we're not. And ultimately what happened was one of our employees had been renting his free videos, bringing them back to check in, and he would personally check them in, and then they would just go missing. And he ended up getting arrested for this. And uh, I just remember showing up for my shift and be like, hey, where's Jason? They're like, oh, he got arrested. Um, So (laughs) wasn't expecting that kind of stuff going on behind my back. Surprisingly, the biggest thing I didn't expect was the adult film recommendations I would be asked. That (laughs) was probably the one thing I never expected. Did you have any experience to offer a recommendation? As a 16-year-old, no, not at that point. So so how, how did that type of conversation go then? 
it would usually be someone coming in that had always rented, you know, they would all they'd always be the same people. They'd rent certain kinds of film and I would get to know the movies that way. And they'd say, because we were, we were always told to ask the customer, what did you think of what you rented? What was, so we could get, you know, customer feedback and, and basically paired it back to other customers. And what I would always ask that out of de- a default and reflex for the adult films. And so I'd ask how they enjoyed their film. And sometimes it was very awkward, but other times they would actually, you know, give me something about the, you know, actress or whoever was in it. And I would tell another person, oh, you like Jenna Jameson in that film. Well, let me tell you about J.C. Lane. <laughs> did, did you ever, what was the, the restri- I'm sure there was an age restriction there. So did you ever like have friends like, hey, man, let me rent this. Or how did that go? They did. I actually had quite a few friends that would ask me to let them rent adult films. And I was told very strictly that it was illegal and I would get arrested and I believe them. So I never let them do that. You talk about movies coming in and just the volume of activity that those stores did. There's always, and I'm sure this is the same across everybody who's worked at Blockbuster. And again, because we were in, in the home video era, you would find tapes once in a while that people had swapped out and put in the wrong box. Um, sometimes you'd have people who would try to do that in the store to get a, you know, if there was a new release that was hot, they would go and switch a tape from a box and try to hide it in the store so they could come back later and get it. Or if a kid would try to trade out one of those 17 plus movies for a Disney movie. And so that's where you're always checking on the inside. What you didn't always anticipate was the movies you would get back in the store in the Blockbuster box. <laughs> and sometimes those were, were not what Blockbuster rented. And uh, it, it was always funny to make those calls because you knew that you did not want to have the wife answer the phone and say that the wrong tape had been, because you're just, you're busting some poor guy, right? So even though it wasn't a policy, uh, it was, we just, if, when that happened, that it happens, you know, it happened once or twice, you know, every couple of months. Uh, you would make that call and, and hope that it was it was the husband or boyfriend who answered the phone. So you could just be like, hey, I just want to let you know, uh, we dropped off the movie and the tape inside there is not the right one. Please check your machine. We got to swap this back out. So, yeah, yeah, I'm trying to imagine the scenario where that happens. Is it just like yeah. they're, they're popping it out of the VCR quick and trying to hide it? Like, like how yeah. does it end up in there? How would you yeah. not know? <laughs> yeah. You know, you got to figure it's either because they're can hiding it. It was I don't know, um, but. Man, that walk of shame when when they come back in the store <laughs> is impressive. So it was again something you learn, right? I mean, you learn about how people react in, in stressful and embarrassing situations, and you wouldn't think that you know going to Blockbuster would be one of them. But man, when you got to come back and claim your uh, your porn tape, that's a you know that's a whole different type of uh, consumer experience. On the next episode of Rental Return. What were the most maybe ridiculous things that customers would do? Or were there any crazy customers or memorable uh, patrons of the store? I would get called at home. Hey, Joe's in here, wants you to recommend a movie. One memory that stands out in particular is when The Bodyguard came out. That was such a huge movie, and it was a volume game at that point, right? So when the movie came out, you needed to have a whole wall stacked up with these movies. And it went fast, where people lined up outside the building the day that it was released to rent it. And we actually had people who were shoving and fighting in the store over copies. I see the door open, and all of a sudden something flies in. And I'm like, what the? Is that like a bird or something? But it was like something definitely came flying through the, the, the door. So eventually I'm like, okay, well, obviously someone just threw something in or whatever. And sure enough, I go look, and like right close to where the door is was a big 
Connect with our video heroes on Twitter by clicking on the links provided in the show notes. Rental Return is created by Adam Pope and produced by Jason Gross in association with The Retro Network. If you're a former rental store employee and want to chronicle your experiences on an upcoming season, message Adam on Twitter at Hoju Coolander or send an email to Jason at TheRetroNetwork.com. Avoid late fees by subscribing to Rental Return in your favorite podcast app and by following at TRN Social on Instagram and Twitter featuring pictures provided by our video heroes. Join us again next time for another episode of Rental Return, Tales from the Video Store. This has been a presentation of the Retro Network.